0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. A shooting in Chicago over the weekend left 17 people wounded and five dead. The youngest just eight years old. Chicago ended 2021 with more homicides than any of the past 25 years. It's a pattern that Mayor Lightfoot is trying to break with her new ordinance to crack down on violent crimes. But she continues to receive pushback. A letter from over 50 criminal defense attorneys outlines how that plan would, quote, serve only to further erode relationships between city government and Chicago's black and brown communities, end quote. City Council discussed some modifications to that plan Friday, which would limit lawsuits to only adult gang leaders. But criminal justice advocates want more. Patrick Smith is a criminal justice reporter for WBEZ and joins us now. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Sasha. Start us off with a brief overview, Patrick. What are the big points of Mayor Lightfoot's new ordinance?
1: So so Mayor Lightfoot wants to empower, empower city attorneys to seize assets from Chicago gangs and gang members. For instance, if attorneys city attorneys can prove like a car was used to transport drugs or money was made through gun running or something like that, the city would take that gang member to court and prove these were ill-gotten gains and take them from them. Uh, this ordinance would also allow the city to sue gangs and gang leaders for damages. So, in essence, if they can prove someone is is in a gang and that gang has harmed their community, forced the city to, to expend additional resources like police or paramedics, they, under this ordinance, could get a judge to order the gang or gang member to pay the city. Uh, and Mayor Lightfoot says part of this money would then go to help support crime victims.
0: Well, how much money are we talking about? How much is the plan proposed to cost?
1: Well, in theory, this is supposed to be an effort that adds money to the city coffers, not not takes from it. Uh, so obviously at the outset it will cost some money to stand this up if, if this ordinance is passed and, and this becomes city policy. Mm-hmm. So that would mean possibly more money in the budget of the city law department to pay for extra attorneys. The city has not said what costs they expect that to be. But, you know, yeah, as I mentioned, if this works the way the mayor's administration is promising – this initiative would would pay for itself.
0: And what are the main points that the criminal defense attorneys are making against it? Well, they
1: make two points that I've heard from a number of other people. First, that this will end up being racially biased and increase inequity in the city. The reason for that is is the city has other efforts of attempting to identify gang members, uh, the gang database, and that overwhelmingly targets black and Latino Chicagoans um, and also is just overwhelmingly flawed, according to the uh, inspector general. Lightfoot's response to that has been that, in this case, they'll have to prove someone's gang affiliation to a judge in court, so that basically protects them against this being as problematic and flawed as gang database. And the second point the letter makes is that this will not help public safety. You know, Mayor Lightfoot has said this plan will take away the profit motive for gangs, but what I've heard from a lot of people is that this, just that there just isn't a profit motive for most gang activity in chicago nowadays that most gang violence is based on you know small geographic allegiances historical and personal conflicts, social media retaliatory violence
0: mm-hmm. and that
1: anything like drug dealing is just small time and disorganized so the letter makes that point that you're just this isn't going to deter crime the way you're saying it will
0: mm-hmm. uh the letter um alluded to civil action if mayor lightfoot's able to pass the ordinance through city council what would that look like
1: Yeah, and what is – I think what's most notable about this letter, especially when it comes to that point, is that uh, this letter was signed by dozens of attorneys who have made millions of dollars suing the city over alleged police misconduct. You know, Not that they win every time, but when they – a lot of these attorneys, when they file a lawsuit against the city, it ends up costing taxpayers a lot of money. And these same attorneys are saying, hey, if you pass this ordinance and you go through with this and you actually succeed in – seizing someone's assets or getting somebody to pay damages we're pretty sure that that there's going to be racial bias in that there's going to be due process violations in that and we're going to sue you and that it's going to cost taxpayers big money if you do this not not make the city any money like you're promising
0: city council discussed modifying some points of the ordinance friday what did they say exactly
1: yeah. So on Friday, there was a hearing, but no vote, which was the plan all along. I should say I didn't cover Friday's session. Um, I followed the coverage of our own Claudia Morrell and the Daily Line's Aaron Hegarty. Heggerty, excuse me. Um, and the mayor's office has actually already modified its initial ordinance based on city council feedback. They, they changed the language, as you mentioned at the top, to say this would only go after gang leaders, which was to address concerns that this would end up targeting like kids or low-level gang members. also put in some protections or language that's supposed to protect family members, allowing sort of what they term, uh, quote-unquote, innocent people to object to forfeitures. Family members can, can try to avoid having cars taken if they can prove a hardship. And that's supposed to address some concerns that were raised when this was initially brought up that What's going to end up happening is the city's going to end up taking like a lot of grandmothers' cars, oh, boy. Who, who you know they happen to have grandsons who are who are in gangs. So those are kind of the two main changes the city, is, the mayor's office, is trying to make to address some some big concerns.
0: Well, after following that coverage, Patrick, any idea whether this ordinance could even make it out of committee?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, based on the conversations that I've had with Alderman and the reporting on Friday, it doesn't look good to me as far as this, this passing. Uh, you know, the opposition to this is pretty broad, and the support is pretty narrow. Um, I'm not in the prediction business. And <laughs> right. i a mayor. Do you have a – you know, often are able to get their priorities passed. But I've heard a lot more opposition than support. And I should say the people I've heard, the aldermen I've heard who support this, you know, the mayor's, uh, mayor has defended this. But the aldermen I've heard who, who support this, their arguments often have, have boiled down to, hey, we've got a huge violence problem. We've got to try something. We might as well try that. And it is true we do have a huge violence problem, but the sort of like, yeah, hey, we might as well try something is not – to me at least, not the most compelling argument.
0: Yeah. Well, Patrick Smith is a criminal justice reporter for WBEZ. Patrick, thanks for the update. Thank you. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're continuing the conversation with Sheila Betty. She's a clinical professor of law and directs Northwestern's Pritzer School of Law's Community Justice Clinic. She's one of the signatories on that letter criticizing the mayor's ordinance. Hi, Professor.
2: Hi, thank you so much for having me.
0: Tell us your initial thoughts when you heard about the ordinance.
2: Well, but my initial thoughts were, were focused on, on really two issues. One is the, the unconstitutionality of this proposal to try to seize assets from alleged gang members. Uh, the fact that it would be infected with the racial bias that we see that affects so much of policing and public safety, uh, quote-unquote, strategy in the city of Chicago. And third, that it's just bad public policy. It's not public policy that is reasonably calculated to try to redress harm in our communities. It's public policy that is terribly redundant. Uh, The federal law enforcement already has at its disposal uh, the ability to engage in in civil forfeiture and uh, asset forfeiture uh, for uh, these people who the mayor alleges are, are quote-unquote gang leaders, um, and that it's really a missed opportunity. You know, our, our communities are in such desperate need of, of investment, investment in the kinds of approaches to creating safe, healthy, vibrant communities that mm-hmm. are actually proven to work, and that's investment in public education, investment in pub- public mental health infrastructure, job opportunities. Uh positive peer mentorship. All of these initiatives are proven to reduce harm in our communities. Uh, and instead of coming out and supporting those types of initiatives, we have a mayor who is trying to gin up headlines uh, on a, a proposal that is, is not proven to work and to the contrary will only exacerbate the conditions that lead to harm in our community.
0: And to your point of redundancy, Professor, you're saying it's not even necessary.
2: Well, it's absolutely not necessary. I mean, there, there are both at the state level and also at the federal level, law enforcement officials already have the ability to, to seize assets. Mm-hmm. Now, as to the, the, those, those processes, I mean, they've been proven to be ineffective. There's no evidence that suggests that, the, the, that civil forfeiture or seizing assets uh, reduces crime or harm or makes communities safer. We've got data from other jurisdictions that have experimented with this approach. And what it finds is that the average recovery is about $1,200. This is not the stuff of some gang kingpin. Uh, this is, these are poor people who are targeted by the, the criminal justice system. Those are the people that suffer mm. uh, under, under these types of initiatives. But it's not necessary. Uh, it's already in place uh, for, for the, those law enforcement officials that want to try to use this strategy and then the other point that I think is important is that it's going to expose the taxpayers of Chicago to tremendous legal liability. Uh, the, the city of Chicago has tried in the past to, to enact various ordinance to, to tackle alleged gang violence, uh, and those approaches have racked up significant legal fees for Chicago's taxpayers.
0: Tell us how it would, quote, and I'm getting this from the letter you signed, how it would serve only to further erode relationships between city government and Chicago's black and brown communities.
2: Well, the the reality is the the Chicago Police Department has an incredibly long history of targeting our our black and brown communities with with violence, with abuse. We are the false confession capital of the world because of misconduct from the Chicago Police Department. Uh, We are the home of the the John Burge torture scandal. Uh, We have uh, a police department that was found by Obama's Justice Department to be racist, lawless, unaccountable, uh, all of that is the context in which this initiative is, is being rolled out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, what, and we are also a city where public schools have been closed, where the mental health infrastructure was divested from. where we don't have enough resources in non-carceral, non-policing-based approaches to building up strong communities.
0: Well, Professor, it's clear that what the mayor is trying to do here is crack down on crime. Right? That's why she claims to have proposed this ordinance. What would you like to see her do instead? What approach would you like to see her take?
2: Well, an example of an approach that's proven to work has been put forward by Good Kids Mad City, uh, and GKMC is a is a group, a collective of young Black and Browns youth on the south and west sides of the city who put forth an idea that's called the Peace Book. And what the Peace Book would do is invest in the leadership of the young people who are doing the work of creating safe communities every single day, who are out there mediating disputes, who are doing political education, who are holding events so that youth have a positive, healthy space to be in. Uh, investment in those types of resources might not garner the kinds of headlines that this approach would do, but it's the kind of approach that is, that is calculated, that is evidence-based to, to
0: create safer communities. Sheila Betty is a clinical professor of law at Northwestern's Pritzker School of Law. Professor Betty, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.